I'm your host, Sarita, along with my co-host, Dr. Sylvia Shipman. Welcome to a Burning Love Moment podcast. We will discuss topics associated with drug abuse and addiction, as well as assist individuals struggling with everyday life issues. This podcast is about helping you move from a place of shame and embarrassment to one of power and boldness through a relationship with God. Get ready to be equipped and empowered to take back control over your destiny. Welcome to a Burning Love Moments. Thank you for joining us. My co-host, Dr. Shipman, and I, we are back for another exciting episode of a Burning Love Moment. This is my favorite time of year. You know, you guys, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful day today. I love the fall season. Right now, um, Dr. Shipman, it is not too hot. It's not too cold. And the temperature is actually, is is just right. You know, the leaves are starting to change. The the air is crisp. And this is a a perfect time. I don't know if if you and your family have ever done this, Dr. Shipman, but, you know, you could travel through the New England area and you can see the foliage that's changing on the trees. And I just look at it and I'll just be in awe of God's beauty of how he crafted and, and created this earth and, and how the trees are changing. And it's, it's just absolutely breathtaking. I don't know about you right now, but how is it there in um, Virginia? Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. But I, from what you're describing, we haven't gotten there quite yet, but I can imagine it being so beautiful there. And I too, uh, love the fall season as well. Um, uh, we just starting to see some changes of the leaves, and uh, but not in the depthness of what you're talking about. But you know, my husband and I always wanted to come during this season. We're gonna do just that. But I thank God Almighty for allowing the season in which we're in now. You yeah. know, we look at the natural things and we can't even fathom what he's doing in the spiritual realm. But if we can just focus in on, Lord, if you're doing this amazing things, causing the leaves to change, what is it that you're doing in our life? So Pastor Sarita and I definitely hope that you are shifting with this change as well. When you say Pastor Sarita and that God Almighty want to do in your life. So as we looking at the magnificence of the glory of God, when we look at the things in which Pastor Sarita is describing, this might want me to go right now. But, you know, I thank God that we, wherever we are, we can see the changes of the trees fall, the leaves on the trees falling, and many things that are taking place, the coolness of the weather in some places. I know Florida may not be getting that cool weather like we're getting it right now. But however, there is a change. And when we know God has set time and seasons for his seasons in life, he's doing that in our lives as well. So if you want something different, you must move and do something different to get that better results. Would you say, Pastor Sarita? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny. Sometimes people do the same things and they act, they think that they're going to see different results, but no, you have to make the change and yeah. uh, change is good. And mm-hmm. especially when, when you have God in the midst of those changes, but Dr. Shipman, I want to ask you two questions today. I want to get your opinion on this one question. One, I want to know why do you think we as a people tend to get into mischief And then I want you to answer the question, why do you think women stay in abusive relationships? Give me your opinion on that. Well, those are two great questions and we can go in depth with it, but we're not because of sake of time. But there's many reasons that people get in such mischief uh, behaviors. And I think one of them is that uh, the love of God is not reigning uh, in in that individual's life. You know, and I have to say that by experience, you know, um, when I allow God to reign in my life, you know, it kind of prohibit me from doing the things that can cause me to go down or uh, a path that I don't want to go down. You know what I'm saying? So, but this just a surface, but we can go layers and layers. One of the other reasons I think there's uh, no hope in that individual, you know, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there is uh, not fear of the cravings of the flesh has dominated that person's life. So um, that's, that, these are just surface, but when I think on certain things, why uh, uh, people indulge in certain things, yeah. they can be on the level of generational, you know, and that's one of the ones that we sometimes overlook. The behavior can be generational. And of course, the power of darkness is ruling. So, mm-hmm. you know, but you can, you can go down and look at a pattern of a person. It could be even when you're hanging around an individual. That, you know, as they, we used to say when we was growing up, birds of the, fel- of the feather flock together. Right. You know, you begin to uh, inherit those behaviors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, but I'm saying all that to say, there's many reasons why a person feels as though uh, they're allowing uh, mischief behaviors to dominate their lives, you know. But one of them, I think, is main one is that they don't see self-worth you know, and they don't see the value and they don't allow the love of God to bring in their lives. But of course, uh, and some of it's just pure decisions. Yeah, People just choose true. to do it. Now, in, re- in retrospects to abusive relationships, um, why do women stay in abusive relationship? I think that they just want to be loved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they look at they look at love for the wrong reason. Uh, of course, they have low uh, self-esteem. Yeah, I mean, we can almost see that and not and that uh, don't know their worth. There you go again. Don't yes. know the value of who they are. So they stay in that abusive relationship. And of course, fear. Yes. You know, fear has many forms. So fear of leaving. What will happen? Would I not be successful? You know, feeling as though that abusive person is your source, you know, uh, again, fear of failure. And hoping that the abuser will change. So they stay there hoping and saying, because they see a glimpse of, I'm sorry. Yeah. And they think yeah. that person, that's a little glimpse of saying, you know, uh, that person is trying to change. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to the same pattern again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, that person, um, that woman, I believe, just feel that um, this is the best I can do. Yeah. You know? And again, there's many reasons, but we're just trying to hit the surface. So, um, that's my take on it uh, at this point without taking up so much time. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your opinion. And I think you probably hit the the nail on the head with mm-hmm. um, 
summing this up and, and it just really baffles me sometimes, mm-hmm. but low self-esteem and fear and all of those things, I believe, do make a difference. Well, we have an incredible individual with us today who will reveal some of her life's journey with us. Now, she was known as a professional booster. Boosting was her thing. Then she became involved with selling drugs and selling drugs led her to using drugs, all while um, becoming what we would say or I guess she was known as a gangster, both in Canada and Jamaica. Now, at this time, we would like to give all of our listeners the opportunity to get on your phones. You call someone, you text someone, you video chat someone, FaceTime them, email them, whoever you feel should be listening to a Burning Love Moment podcast on Life101radio.net and on TDN Internet Television. Absolutely. Yes, you don't want to miss this incredible story. Praise God. Get ready to be on the edge of your seat. Before we go any further, we want to remind everyone that this is our disclaimer. Pastor Sarita and I are not psychiatrists nor psychologists. We are licensed ministers, praise God, on a mandate from God Almighty to bless his people. The opinion of our guests are not necessarily the opinion of our network, all right? So we are grateful to be here. So let's go into a word of prayer so we can get on with this amazing podcast. Father, thank you for this time that you have granted unto us, this platform that you've granted unto us, and all the individuals that's connected to make a burning love moment successful. Lord God, we praise you for Life 101 Radio and TDN Network Station, television station. We thank you for Pastor Sarita and our amazing guests that we will be introducing in a moment. Lord God, have your way. Have your way with every listener, the families, and all of that. Remind them that the power of God is within to create change. So Father, have thy way. Let your will be done. And we thank you that that will need to be shared. We'll be shared and life will be changed. People will come into your kingdom. This we pray and honor you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior. We pray. Hallelujah. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you feel like you're in the boxing ring of life battling addictions such as drugs or alcohol? Are you struggling and barely holding it together? Listen to A Burning Love Moment every Monday on Life101.net with host Pastor Sarita Jones and co-host Dr. Sylvia Shipman. This podcast addresses many issues associated with drug abuse and addictions while helping you overcome the darkness and despairing your life. With encouragement and guidance, you'll be able to break the chains of addictions and strongholds like never before by reshaping your mindset and transforming your life. Get ready to be empowered to take back control over your destiny with a burning love moment. Do you like my smile? Thanks to the professional team at Beacon Dental Group in Dorchester, Massachusetts, I've got world-class dental care. Beacon Dental Group has expert and caring staff who are dedicated to providing the most advanced and satisfactory treatment in all aspects of oral health. Their services are designed to meet your needs and give you a perfect smile too. General checkups, cosmetic surgery, Gemini laser service, and advanced procedures, all in a state-of-the-art facility. Check out Beacon Dental Group at 1026 Blue Hill Avenue, Dorchester, or call 617-282-2146 for a smile that lights the world.
Well, welcome back, everyone, to a Burning Love Moment podcast on Life101radio.net and TDN Internet Television. Hopefully, you have already reached out to someone who um, could possibly be involved with gangs or drugs or even boosting because this episode of a Burning Love Moment is about those particular topics. Well, our guest for the day is a mighty woman of God who has a passion for winning souls for the kingdom of God. Now, Uh this wasn't always her lifestyle. Now, she has a past life. As we stated, she was a professional booster. She was involved with gangs and drugs and went to jail numerous times. But today, she's a transformed woman. She is respected for her willingness to uh, return to the places that God actually pulled her from. And she witnesses to those that are still living that type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. She is a woman of action. She's constantly planning her next campaign to win souls for God's kingdom. She received her master's degree in divinity from Canada Christian College and her chaplaincy diploma from the Canadian International Chaplaincy Academy. Yes. She is currently the executive pastor of the Love Church, which is an online church. Now, she has several years of ministerial experience working in various communities and various um, with various individuals of all age groups. Help me to welcome someone who went from the drug house to God's house, a well-known gangster. Her name then was Gangster Yvonne, but today she is known as Pastor Evangelist Yvonne Reed. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Pastor Yvonne, we welcome you to a Burning Love Moment podcast. Um, thank you for joining us today. And, and mm-hmm. I want to just start out asking you this question. If you were to compare where you are today versus where you were a few years ago, one would say a definite transformation has taken place, huh? Yes. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we're just going to get right on into um, your life. We know that we know that you went through some, you feel like you went through some extra things in your life. And I believe sometimes God have us to go through some extra things in yeah. our life. And we thank you for being transparent today. You have nothing to hide. We know that you grew up in Jamaica with your grandparents because your mother was actually here in Canada preparing um, to send for you at a later time. So you came to Canada at the age of seven to be with your mom, your stepmom, your stepfather, actually, and your siblings. Tell us a little bit about that. About coming to Canada? Yeah, you came to Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, a little bit about that. So I, um, my mom came to Canada, and um, usually folks leave from back in the Caribbean, comes, comes to Canada, to the United States, looking for a better life, looking for opportunities, not mm-hmm. only for but for their children so my mom sent for me at an early age I came here at the age of seven as you're saying and um coming to Canada was like coming to heaven because you know you're back home and you're always hearing about Canada and all of these nice things and when when your parents send down barrels of clothes to you to from Canada you know the pretty clothes and all of these things and and so you thinking that Canada must be a place of heaven and so when I came and I was on the plane and I seen all of the lights when the plane was about to land and I seen all of the lights. I thought I was literally in heaven because mm-hmm. of all the lights that I saw. 
Um, mm-hmm. But going up further, um, living with my mom and my stepfather was uh, my, I, I love my mom. I love my siblings. Um, I wanted a father figure. My, my, I left my grandfather who was the man that I looked up to, the man that I call a father, never grew up with any father. And when I was ripped away from him, you know, coming to Canada and see my sisters calling their, you know, their dad, daddy, I wanted a daddy too. So I wanted to call him daddy too. Um, but he, I wasn't getting the privilege of calling him daddy. He didn't want me to call him daddy. I think he mostly saw me more as a, a, a um, uh, object or see me more as a sex object because from the time I came from Jamaica to Canada and he, that night I remember he kept looking at looking at me and telling me oh wow you, you're already growing breasts I'm seven years old I don't know where what, where were the breasts coming from mm-hmm. I didn't see any breasts but he saw breasts and he said well uh oh yeah you look very nice and, and the look on his eyes and from mm-hmm. that from the from the get-go I knew that my life was not from seven years old I knew that my life was not gonna be how it was leaving my mama and my grandfather back home. Yeah. I knew that my gonna be there's gonna be a, some kind of struggle. Things that I didn't like to eat, he would just give it to me to eat, and I'll just get really sick. So I wasn't treated back home in Jamaica. I was treated like a little princess. My mm-hmm. grandfather loved me. My my grandmother, she wasn't easy, but she, you know, what I mean when I said that she's not easy, she was a no nonsense grandmother. But right. she would love us. She would beat us if we made a mistake. She would beat us, but she loved on us. And I was ripped away from that coming to Canada. And that's where I think everything started. Just, you know, just to have to relocate and yeah. come to a new home and a new family and to adapt to the culture and all of that. It was it was a lot for me as a young girl. So what happened um, at age nine about your eyesight? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So back home in Jamaica, before I came, my grandmother, when my grandmother heard, got news that I was going to be going to Canada to live with my mom and all, she said to me, don't tell anybody about that. Don't tell people. So those things was always a secret to tell someone that you're going away to live in the foreign mm-hmm. countries. So I, mm-hmm. I promised my grandmother that I'd never tell anybody. I remember um, my grandmother sent me to get water. So in Jamaica, when we're going to catch water, we have to put a little, we have to bring a towel with us and mm-hmm. we have to wrap the towel. It's called a kata. So mm-hmm. we wrap the towel and put the towel on top of our head and then we put a water bucket on top of our head so it wouldn't squeeze our head. So I went to the tank where they cut, you know, the rain falls in the water and we, I went to the tank to get the water. Soon as I got the water in the pail and put the water on top of my head, going up back the hill, something, a, a, a bug flew into my right eye. Um, the, it started to burn so bad that I, the water fell off my head and I ran to my grandmother, told her that something went into my eyes and it was burning me so bad. Mm. And uh, she brought me to the hospital down in Jamaica. Um, the doctor said that there's nothing wrong with my eyes. I kept on having the same burning. So, you know, after a while it went away. But when I came to Canada, um, at seven years old, at nine years old, I was at, in school and I was playing. Nothing happened between that time with my eyes. My eyes was fine. Everything was fine and all of that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to say that, oh, it was witchcraft because back home, people tend to quickly think that somebody's trying to witch or be you, which means witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And they tend to always focus on that. So, 
But I was just telling him, my grandmother always told me, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody that you're going away. So now it's in my mind that I, I, I probably had said something to somebody and they've done something to my eye. So anyways, I'm in school and I'm playing around and I'm dancing around. And then I see this circle start going around in my right eye. I ran to the teacher and I said, I don't know what's happening, but there's something going around in my eyes. And it looks like a snake. And, a snake, and I was just being scared. I was so scared. So she called my mom. My mom, my mom took me to the hospital. The doctor said they didn't say anything wrong. So that, um, they, they made an appointment for me to see a specialist. I've seen many specialists. And um, there was, they said that they didn't see anything wrong with my eyes. And, you know, I was scared. I was a young girl and I was scared. I, there's things that was happening in my eyes that I... You know, and I remember one night, one one evening, I was at home and I was watching TV. And then all of a sudden, my eyes was getting uh, blurry. The right side was getting blurry. And um, I went to my, I was scared. I ran into the bathroom. I didn't want to tell my mom. Because my mom, you know, whenever you tell your parents, you know, bad news, they get upset. So I, I thought, okay, I can't tell my mom. So I ran into the bathroom. I started throwing some water in my eyes, throw some water to see if it was, it was you know, everything would just come back into into place, but it didn't. And I um, I went to my bed at night. I woke up in the morning and I seen one side of the room was dark and the other side was light. And I, I, I was, and I realized that my eye, I realized that I was blind in my right eye. Mm. Now, did, you, did your mother take you to any other type of doctors? Yeah, so right after that, no. I, I, I had to tell my mom, moms, I can't see it on my right eye. She said, what do you mean? I said, everything is dark on my right side. I can't see anything. That was a really, it was a very traumatical um, moment for me, a crushing mm -hmm. moment for me as a young girl at that time. And my mom now, she's thinking that somebody obeyed me. Mm. So, uh, my mom starts to bring me to, to see. People told her, listen, the doctors can't help Yvonne. You need to take Yvonne to the Obia man. The mm -hmm. Obia man will her see. So at that moment in time, I start believing that the Obia man is going to make me see, right? Mm -hmm. And so we started to go to the Obia man. The first Obia man that we went to, I entered when we were going into the house. The house was dark. We saw candles lit and um, you could smell this um, foggy, uh, like uh, perfume, not perfume, nice smelling perfume, but like incense just burning in the atmosphere. And the room felt dark. And I, I went into the house and... You know, I, I, I didn't even care. Even though it felt fearful, I was so, like, until just wanting to see that I didn't care about what was happening around me. But there was darkness that was around me. And my mom went in there and he told my mom, you know, she had to give him all of these thousands of dollars and money because he's going to make me see. So then uh -huh. he decided to cut the hair off of my... I had a little bit of hair on my puberty hair. I just started to grow a little bit of hair. And he wanted to see if there was any hair down there. So he looked down there and he, and he cut off some of my hair off of my... You know, puberty here um, off of my, you know, and then he cut off some hair off of my head as well. And then he rolled it up in a ball of meat. And I, I'm now wondering what's going on. I look in the backyard. I heard I heard some noise in the back. And, I, you know, I was looking around because it was really scary, the noise that I was hearing, like dogs growling, troubling. So I looked out and I seen a um, I seen some, I, I don't know if it was Doberman Pincher or Pitbull, but there were some scary black dogs that was out there. And I see him roll up my hair. And then he just threw it in the backyard and the dog was just eating away at my hair. And I was thinking like, what is this? But, you know, um, he charged my mom and then he told my mom that he had to give me a bath. And it just, it was just from there on. I just kept going to different Obia man and Obia woman. And they would just be bathing me. 
in the pigeon blood and the grape juice. And they were just dipping me in these things, telling my mom that I, I can't take a shower for seven days. I had to keep the blood stain on my body, the grape food, the onions and all of these things that they bought me in had to stay on my body so that if I wash off before the seven days, that the, demon, the, the, the evil spirit that was after me, and basically they said that the, that spirit was supposed to hit my mom, but because my mom has a strong spirit, yeah. um, th that spirit was going to have to, uh, that spirit couldn't attack my mom. So because I was the first daughter from my mom, um, the spirit attacked me. So when they put me in this blood, they told her that, okay, I can't take any bath because if I wash this blood off of me within the seven days, that that spirit was going to attack me. So I was going to school and first I started to go to school with this thing all over me and kids tied it to my hair. It looked like I had full of dandruff and stuff in my hair and the kids used to make fun of me. And I decided to call me, you know, telling me that you have the cooties and, and you smell bad. And, and so that, that started to take a toll of me too. Like my emotion, my inside, um, the fear was on me because I fear that if I wash myself, this thing will attack me. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking that they're around me trying to attack me so there was a lot of fear that I was dealing with mm -hmm. in that time of my life so going through all of this did you ever regain your eyesight never I yeah. went to a, the last person I went to um the last person I went to she said um oh okay pay me this amount of money and your daughter is going to see and I was excited when that lady said that it was a month of November I, I believe I don't remember the months I'm, I'm not clear on months and dates so I'll tell my testimonies and sometimes I'll miss out on that but I remember Christmas was near and she said you're going to see and I was excited I, I was excited I went home and I was telling everybody I'm going to see it on my eyes I'm going to see it and she said um she said listen um come back in December and when you come back um you know you're going to see and she told my mom they put a necklace around my neck I, I don't remember if it was her but somebody gave my mom a guard necklace so a necklace, a guard necklace is a necklace that has, they put a spirit in it and that spirit is supposed to guard you. So I'm walking around with this necklace around my neck and I'm thinking like nothing can come near me, nothing can touch me, you know, because I have this necklace around my neck. And so um, I remember the necklace falling off of my neck. I was skipping out in the community with my friends and it was raining and we were out there running around in the rain and skipping in. And, and I keep, all the time, I, I used to always feel my neck to see if the necklace, the necklace was there. So mm. I felt my neck this time and the necklace wasn't there. So I ran. I ran away from my friend and I ran home. And while I was running, I felt like a whole de a whole barrage of demons was chasing me because I was told that if I take this necklace mm -hmm. off of my neck, that I was going to be attacked by these demons. So now I'm running towards home and um, I, I didn't know what to do. But I had to tell my mom. I was afraid to tell my mom, but I told my mom. Anyways, my mom brought me back to the lady. We went back to the lady um, and excited. I went into the house. Um, then um, somebody came to my mom and pulled my mom away. So I was thinking, why is she taking my mom away and leaving me standing here? I'm here to see. I'm here. They promised me that I'm going to see. So I'm waiting to see. So she took my mom and I looked at my mom's face and I realized that something was wrong. And mm. I, was just, I was just praying. I was just, and I, you know, I wasn't really praying to God. I was just talking yeah. to myself. I'm just waiting like, please God, don't let nothing, let my mom. So when my mom came and she said, let's go. And I go, go where? Where? Where are we going? My mom goes, well, you know, we have to leave. I go, I'm not leaving because mm. the lady I'm going to see, you know, I want to, yeah. like, I, I want to cry right now because I remember that. And how old, how old were you at that time? I, I was getting, I was about 12 going on 13 at the time. Oh, wow. 
So like I said, guys, at times the date and the age uh-huh. is gonna put to my menopause right now too. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's kind of move on a little bit because we want to get into your teenage years. You became 18. You moved. You, we know you moved out of your mom's house. And because we want to hear about, you know, when you got into involved with the boosting and the drugs and things like that. So we know you moved out of your mom's house at the age of 18. And um, what happens then? You meet someone. Right. You meet a guy. It's just that the reason why I was I was jumping in that story and I'm moving fast with it because it was that when the lady told me that I was gonna see, she didn't yeah. the reason why my mom left the house was because she went blind. So that was a very a serious moment now because I'm wondering why uh-huh. did she go blind? You know, and so I decided that all of these baths that I'm taking and all of these people just abusing my body and giving me stuff to drink, mm-hmm. taking one the dirty altars and giving me stuff to drink. So I got rebellious. Mm. And I got, I got rebellious. So now I decided I'm not going back to these places, mm-hmm. you know, being in my home with my stepfather trying to make passes at me because my mom was stuck into these, these, um, with these places now, these, these are uh, Pocomania spiritual Baptist churches. And so she's always there, staying there. And I, I decided that, okay, my mom's always there. Now my stepfather, he wants to come and make passes at me because my mom's not there. So I ran away. I mm. ran away from home. And I started mm-hmm. to go on the street. And I you know my story is a lot, but I started to go on the street. Uh, and I have a young, I have an older friend. And my, we met an older friend who was also, she was in the group home. And um, she's, she started to come around us. So she was kind of like our leader. We were mm-hmm. all young. But she told me, she taught me how to steal. You know what I mean? Because like I said, again, coming up and going through all that I went through, I had a low mm-hmm. self-esteem. I didn't upset myself for who I was. You know, I was a chubby little girl, name cards, and all a lot of things that I went through. So right. she, meeting her now, she, I started going on the street, and she, she taught us how to steal. So at the age of thirteen, we're in the mall stealing, and um, we didn't, we didn't reach the level where we were selling as yet and becoming professional. We were just starting off by stealing clothes for ourselves, going into people's laundromat, stealing clothes, and we were just thieving all over the place. And um. Then we started to go over to areas that was forbidden, areas that was told that those were the gangster areas, those were the bad areas. And okay. started to go hanging out in the bad areas. And we started to go to parties, you know. Um, and, and and then the lifestyle became more expensive. You know, you wanted to look nice like everybody else, and you know, you 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 wanted to have money. So now the boosting is no longer. Um, I, I mean, I met all the ladies that was boosters and they were making tons of money and they had a house and stuff like that. You know, they go out and they steal and they do orders and they sell to lawyers and like that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be like them. So, you know, they invited me at their house to babysit their kids. And I used to penetrate and watch what they were doing. And they, you know, mm-hmm. I, and then I started to wish I was like them and I wanted to be like them. And they started to teach me how to be a, a, a booster and how to do shoplifting. Sounds like you you kind of, I'm sorry to, to interrupt here, but sounds like you sort of looked up to them as role models for you at this point in your life. Okay, That's so right. you're boosting, you're boosting. You get into um, dating. dating, you're dating. Now you have your own place. Now you're selling drugs. We're going to move on through your story because we got about 20 more minutes left here. But oh. um, so you get your own place, you start selling drugs. And so briefly tell us about that. You're selling drugs and then you start using drugs. So I'm selling drugs now. And, you know, boosting wasn't enough. That wasn't enough money. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So now I'm starting selling drugs, and um, so making a lot of money now. I remember one night I was in my house, right, and like you know, I was buying all these big necklaces, and I was making money. So now I'm in my house one night, and I the customers was coming, and I was getting tired. I was really getting tired, and and, and this Jewish lady who was one of my main customers, who I make a lot of money with her, she came one night and she knocked my door, and I said, Brenda, I, I said I need to go, I need to sleep, I I can't. You know, she goes, listen, you need to make some money. So I'm going to tell you what to do. So I go, what? What do I do? She goes, listen, you're not going to get addicted or anything like that. You just, just put a little bit of the crack into your cigarette. And once you start smoking it in your cigarette, it will keep you up all night. So I go, what? She goes, trust me, you want to make money? I'll let you make money. So I said, all right, cool. So I put a little bit of the crack. I crushed up the crack. Um, cocaine, I crush it up, I put it inside of my cigarette. The minute I light it up, my eyes pop open. Like everything about me just popped open. I couldn't go back to sleep. And you know, I just kept making more cigarettes after cigarettes to keep up and start making, you know. So I was keeping up, making money, taking in more drugs, you know. Um uh what do you what do you call it? like from the um from the suppliers, getting mm-hmm. in more drugs from them because I was making money now, you know what I mean? And and so all of a sudden now. I started to use the supplier. The supplier mm-hmm. was stuff, and I started to smoke my own supplies. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the didn't have the money to give back to the suppliers, so I started to hide them out now, right? And you know, money what I gave my mom to put away from me, I was forced. I was taking it back from her. I wanted back my money. You know, I I was I just got hooked on it just by mm-hmm. um, doing that. I went to I went to the I went over to the states with one of my friends, and we brought over back some drugs from over there. When I came home that night, she introduced me again to doing something else. She said, like, you know, just sniff a little bit. So now I was sniffing and I was um I was smoking it and yeah. my life just started to go down the drain. And you um, met and at this point you meet in who? Your significant other that you married. Tell us, take us on that journey that you meet your husband. Yeah, so I met my husband, you know, which mm-hmm. was a good thing. Um when when I met him, you know, he didn't know that I was on drugs. We were just, we were just, you know, we met and you know, we had a good time because I, I knew how to conceal it at that time. You know, I knew how to hide it at that time. Nobody really knew what was going on with me. So we mm-hmm. got married. We, we, we met and, you know, we didn't got married as yet. He had to go back to Jamaica um, and, and he was down there. And I said, OK, I promise him that whatever it takes for me to bring you back here, I'm going to bring you back here to Canada. You know, I really love this man. And, you know, this man ended up to be the person I had my uh, three of my two of my kids with so we had a long relationship we were married for 27 years and we you know um we, we had a good relationship but um so so when he went back to jamaica people started telling him that i'm up here doing drugs you know what i mean i could i i was trying to conceal it i was trying to hide it but it was yeah. getting out of it was just it was getting it was too much now that i couldn't hide it anymore so now i'm up at night running across the building getting you know getting drugs owing people uh you know drugs um gangs people knocking down my door for their money so it was just getting it was getting other handles so it couldn't hide anymore now so i was trying to keep it away from him so when he came back from jamaica and came back to canada now he, he expected to come back to a home that he he left and it wasn't the same you know mm-hmm. but he, he he wasn't sure what was going on. And, and, you know, he used to go out and hustle too. He used to make money too. So mm-hmm. I used to take his money away from him and told him that, oh, listen, this, this money here, I used to take the Canadian tire money, the fake money. And I used to tell him, this is the new Canadian money. So that money that you have, 
you know, you, you can't use this money, so give me that money and take this money. And he go, okay, cool, baby. So then when he found out, he went somewhere to spend the money and people wanted to call the police on him. He realized that there was something that was going on. And now it got really bad because he came to Canada to make a life. He came because he got an opportunity to come here to make a life. And now this woman wants to mess up his life. And it, it was really hard on him too. Um, I remember when I smoked drugs, I used to I used to see things. That was my thing. Whenever I smoke, whenever I light up a pipe and smoke, yeah. as smoke goes up in my head and come out, I start seeing people, police knocking my door. I start seeing the things that I fear the most. I start seeing snakes moving around and, you know, uh, so I kind of, I, the way my husband was watching me and thing, there was a fear came over me for him because I remember one night, I came home and he said to me, where were you? And I said, oh, I, I just went out with my friends. And he thought that I had a man or something. So he punched me in my face and he knocked me out in the closet. So when he knocked me out in the closet, I, um, I, a fear came over me now for him. So yeah. when I started to smoke, I was, in a, I was in a crack house and I was relaxing in there, you know, doing my hits and everything. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing my husband behind the curtain. And I'm trying to tell myself, Yvonne, 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 no, no, no. Like, you just... You know, yeah. and I and I, I don't want to say anything to anybody. But then I said to the per, the person I was smoking with, I said, I said, Brenna, you, do, you, do you like you see my husband around this? She goes, what? I go, well, my husband is there. She goes, stop it. I go, all right, cool, cool. okay, we'll stop. So I, I kept, so I got up from the table and I went into her room. Now inside of her room, there's a crack house, so it's dirty, it's messy. Right yeah. in the room, there was clothes on top of clothes. So I went into the room and, you know, I want to hide now because I felt so that he was there. So I went into the room and I, I, I was turning my back in the room and then I kind of look around and I, and I seen a shadow and I, I said, no, no, my husband is in here. I know he's in here. I'm feeling it. And I ran through the, through the room, ran, trying to run through the door and he just came right behind me and he stabbed me in the back of my, my, my head. Stabbed you in the back of the head? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what? We, we, oh my gosh, your story is so good. There's so much um, to your story, but we have to take a break. We're going to go to a break. We're coming back for segment three. We're going to hear the rest of this story because now you're both, both involved with drugs. Um, you know, you, you're Miss, Miss Gangster there. You're trying to, to keep your family together and everything. But we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We also want to hear your encounter, how you were able to get out of this life in just a moment. We'll be right back. People say I've got a great smile. Well, I have to say, this is all thanks to the professional team at Beacon Dental Group right here in Dorchester, Massachusetts. I've got world-class dental care. Beacon Dental Group has expert and caring staff dedicated to providing the most advanced and satisfactory treatment in all aspects of oral health. Their services are designed to meet your needs and give you a perfect smile too. General checkups, cosmetic surgery, Gemini laser service and advanced procedures all in a state-of-the-art facility. Call or visit Beacon Dental Group today, 1026 Blue Hill Avenue, Dorchester, Massachusetts or call 617-282-2146 for a smile that lights the world. Do you know what it feels like to lose everything, feeling a life of hopelessness? Are you determined and ready to rebuild your life but do not know where to start? Dr. Sylvia Shipman is a life recovery coach and counselor and minister with successful years of experience helping others activate the power of God within them. 
With her enlightenment and guidance, you will be able to overcome the grip of addiction like never before and begin to reshape your mind and transform your life. For your one-on-one -on -one consultation, please visit her website, DrSiviaShipman.com. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. With your ongoing contributions, this ministry will be able to reach many who are now suffering. Please become a partner with us, changing and shaping lives one mind at a time. This is your jubilee into your new destiny. Visit her today. Burning love moment. Well, I know you all are enjoying this amazing story. Welcome back, and we're excited to hear more. Let us take take us on where you where your life began to change. And when you became gangster crew, take us from that moment real quick and give us a little glimpse of that lifestyle. When you, when you gave your life to the Lord and then went back into that gangster crew uh, activity. So I remember now, so everything was going down with me and the drugs and the, and the abuse and everything. And my husband is now doing drugs with me and it was really getting bad and everything now. And, um, you know, I remember one night I was under my sheet because I had fear. I had fear. I always had this fear with me. I said, God, I need you to help me. Father God, I need you to help me. I cried out to God mm -hmm. and I asked God to help me. And, you know, um, I changed my life. We started to go to church and we had, you know, everything was just turning around for me. I started to do community advocating and talking to kids about drugs and having meetings and stuff. And then after that, I, um, my husband started to cheat on me. Like, you know, and, and that kind of made me, got really discouraged about my life and you know and I wasn't really mature in God I was not the place where I could understand that this is a trial that you're going through this is a test that you're going through so you know I, I just started to just give up on my walk with God at that time and I, I started to go into the dance hall I started to go back to the dance hall I didn't go back to drugs but I went back to the dance hall going back to the dance hall I went there with this aggression I went there with this you know, and I remember that, I remember I said to the, the DJ, I said to the DJ, go ahead and tell the, everybody that we're here and give a shout out to us, me and my crew. And he said to me, what the name of, what's the name of your crew? I said, I'm, the name of our crew is Gangster Crew. So the name was just a fun thing. It wasn't a real, you know, that's why you got to be careful of what you call yourself or what you call your children, because we just, right. it was just fun thing but all of a sudden the gangster got attached to me. And then I really became a gangster because I started to attract gunman and shutters and the gang life and I started to attack attract all of that you know what I mean and I started to go back and forth to Jamaica and um going back and forth to Jamaica start being around shutters and started to you know support them and and burying those guys that they kill I you know because I went back to Jamaica now I open a restaurant I open a, a, a um I open a restaurant and I open a, a boutique store and then I'm making more money down there now and the shutters were all around me you know I had a don you know, who I really, he was like my God. And I, 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 one night, you know, we were partying and I, and I was out at the dance and we, we were like enjoying ourselves. And I begin to, I, I went and took the microphone. I said to the DJ, give me the microphone because I need to let everybody know who my Don is to me. And when I took the microphone, I said to my Don, you know, I said, you are my God. Mm. And all of a sudden, when I said that to him, I said, you are my God. Everything flew out of me. I mean, I was drinking MSC white rum but i didn't feel drunk anymore something and i, I heard i heard i heard a voice I, I literally heard something said there's only one god 
Right. There was only one God. And I started to get crazy in the dance. I said to my boyfriend, let's go. He goes, what do you mean, let's go? The party just started. I said, I can't stay here. And don't, I'm, I was the life of the party. You know, right. where I was, the party was going on. And so if I'm telling them that I want to go, so I said, I, I need to go. I got to get out of here. Something is wrong. And I went back to my house and the tears was just coming down my eyes, you know. And the next morning, I remember that, you know, people are carrying my name, my bad news to the gap, to the dad about me. I remember the next morning, the dad, he came to my grill at the house. And I thought, I heard his voice out there. So I thought he was just coming to hang out with me. So I ran out to him and I ran out in front of a gun. And he had a gun pointed in my face. And he said, I could kill you right now. I didn't know why. I didn't know what, what anybody said to him. But it was like my whole world, my whole life mm-hmm. just come down. It was that, and I had to go back to Canada. So I bought a ticket and I said, no, I can't stay here. I got to leave. Because if my dad is pointing a gun at me and he's telling me that he could kill me, then he can kill me. He can right. order me, he can do anything. And everything was just, you know, so I came back to Canada. And when I came back to Canada, you know, I, I had not been to Canada for a while. I was away for about three months or so. So when I came back to Canada, you know, the workers in my store, one of them was a Christian lady. She kept mm-hmm. calling, calling me. She kept calling me. And I'm, I'm saying, like, why is this woman just bothering me? You know, today's my birthday. I'm going out tonight. You know, when mm-hmm. I came back to Canada that week, it was my birthday week. You know, and I said, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I, I got to go. You know, mm-hmm. I, and so I finally talked to her. She said to me, don't go anywhere. She said to me, listen, I got a bad dream, a vision about you. I seen all of your shoes underneath a tree and you shouldn't be going anywhere. You should stay home. I said, okay, you know, I came out the phone with her just to quiet her down. I got dressed. I got, you know, I got a really, some really nice stuff, you know, I like expensive clothes or whatever. And I went out that night. First, I was in the lineup. As soon as I was in the lineup, my shoes here broke. And I'm thinking, what's this now? You know, in, in your culture, in our culture, if your shoe, if you're going out somewhere and your shoes here broke, you need to go back home. That's what we were taught as young kids. So when my shoes here broke, I was determined to go in. I said, only God can stop me from going to this party, you know? So I started to beat on my heel to fix it. And I hopped my way into the party and I was in there drinking and partying and the DJ seen that, you know, oh, gangsters here, she's back from Canada. So the DJ, you know, started to shout out to me and my crew and everything like that. So the, the promoter for that dance, he, he, he went up there and he goes, listen, I, I, the DJ said to come up and I went up on the stage and I was, I, I ran up. He didn't tell me to come up. I'm always controlling. So I ran up and I took the mic and I started to big up everybody. And, you know, I'm here. I'm back. Gangsters back in the city. T-Dots, I'm here. And the man ran onto the stage, the promoter for the show. And he said, I don't want you on my stage. You're a thief. You guys, you girls are robbers. I don't want you guys in my party talking on my mic. Get off. Right. I, I was insulted because there was a lot of people in that party. There was over five. I don't know if there was probably 500 people in that dance or 300, I don't know. But there's a lot of people. And I'm not, I can't take any dissing. My name is Gangster. How am I going to be on stage in front of everybody and you want to diss me? So mm-hmm. I said, I said, I started to fight with him. He, 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 he grabbed onto my hair. I grabbed onto his shirt. And we were up there rustling on the stage. Then I saw like a barrage of men running to the stage. So I'm saying to myself, God, let this man come to, to just, Break up this fight. Because I knew I knew this fight. If this fight was supposed to continue, it was gonna get dirty up in there. So these guys ran up to the stage. I thought they were coming to, to break up the part. They took me off the stage and they threw me off of the stage. They jumped on me on, on top of me. They started to beat me. They kicked mm-hmm. me. They did everything to me that they insult. There was all it was all a shame that night. That night I was I was done. 
I was so what happened, what happened at, at that moment after you have been beaten? What happened spiritually to you? I was crying out to God on that dance floor. I said, God, if you my my thing is, I was always I knew about God from a young child. Yes. So I whenever problem, I used to run to God. Right. So I was in the dance hall, land on that ground. I, I witnessed people who died in the dance hall through gunshots. I witnessed all of that. So I just figured it was my turn. And it's because I can't tell you the whole story, but I figured it was my turn to die now. So when right. I was left on that ground, I said, God, if you would give me one more chance, I promise you mm -hmm. that I will serve you while they were beating me. They were beating me. I was getting kicked every part of my body. I was being kicked. And I said, God, please don't let me die in the dance hall. Don't let me die in my sin, drunken life. Don't let me die because, and I, I was, I was gone. I was passed out. I was, I, I, you know, they were just beating me so much. And, and and there was a nurse that was in the dance hall because the blood was going down, and 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 I guess she didn't want the blood to go into my lungs or whatever. So I, I don't know. She said that she was there trying to, you know, pump. I don't know what she was there doing. But the ambulance took me out of the dance hall. The ambulance came. Those areas when things happen in those areas. They don't yeah. come right but they want you to die because they, they know there's gangs and all that. So when they finally came an hour after, they took me out, brought me to the hospital. You know, when I woke up, I woke up on machines and they're telling me that, you know, you, you're not, she's not going to walk again and, 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 and that's going to be it for her. My mom was watching the news. My mom sighed on the news, you know, and um, I, um, I, I went home after they sent me home. I, after, you know, they, they decided to release me from the hospital, I went home, you know, everything was, it was gangster. Yvonne died in the dance hall that night. Praise and the Lord. Over. Praise the I Lord. So I, I want to ask you, I, I, we, we're, we're at the point where we have to wrap it up, but I want to ask you, what are you doing now? If you could tell us briefly, what are you doing now? Because it seems like gangster Yvonne died in the dance hall that night that you were beat up. You were crying out to God. And apparently God heard your cries because that's what the word of God says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. So you called out to God at that moment when those guys beat you up in that dance hall. What are you doing now? Yeah, so you know, I was traumatized from it a little bit because the, the, gun, the amount of gun, gunshots that ring out in that dance hall that night was like rain. So, mm -hmm. so it kind of it traumatized me a little bit. You know what I mean? Because I'm always talking about shoot the person or kill them and now i had to i had to deal with it myself you know what i mean so i didn't know the fear that came over me but what i'm doing with my life right now is because i realize that i i i those are who i'm called to the yes. same people that i was the, the that i was a part of the same mm -hmm. lifestyle that i was living i have mm -hmm. to go back to those people so i said god give me the dance song God, give me the thieves, give me the crutches, the boosters, mm -hmm. give me the homosexuals, give me the, the lesbians, give me the murderers, give me the killers, because yeah. I got to go back to them. Now, I couldn't go back to them right away, because if I went back, when I just got saved, I would have gone back out. But mm -hmm. God had to develop me. God had to heal me. You understand? God had to deliver me from that lifestyle. So what he's doing now is I find myself going back into the dance. My ministry is a ministry that a lot of people don't understand. You know, mm -hmm. Christian criticize my ministry because I am going amongst the sinners. Yeah. I am going amongst, I am going to them and I'm being very transparent and very candid yeah. with them. I've, I've been there. I stole. I crutched. I betrayed. I lied. I was, I was, I, 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 I struggled with loss. 
I struggle with perversion. I struggle yes. with alcohol. You know, and I'm, I have to tell them these things so that they know that, okay, so she's been here where I am so she mm -hmm. can deliver other things because she's been real to the thing. There's nothing yes. to hide. As Christians, we can't hide because we're allowing people to come and see us and think that we're living this holy life, mm -hmm. that we've never gone through anything, that we're That's always it. perfect. But the, the truth of the matter is, he didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come for the un, the righteous. He right. came for the drug dealers. He That's came right. for the unbelievers. Right. The key, he came for those ones. And this is why we, when God has taken us out of something, we right. gotta take us and say, hey, hey, listen, I've been there. I'm right. gonna tell you how to get out of it. Jesus yeah. Christ is the way, the truth. And no man comes out of but truly. Well, like we said, you're gonna be on the edge of your seat, and we just we love your story. I know you have so much to share with us. But we're at the end and we're going to take a short break and we're going to wrap it up. And we thank God that the listeners have heard the word of God just float out your belly just then. All right. We'll be right back. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We thank Pastor Yvonne for being with us today and for sharing her story with us. This is an amazing story. There's so yeah. much more to her story, but we thank God for what he actually um, allowed her to go through and uh -huh. what she is doing now. She's going back now into the community and she's mm -hmm. helping those individuals. And um, Pastor Yvonne, we just want to ask you, do you have any last words for our listeners as we get ready to wrap up this segment? And we also want you to let them know how to contact you, where they can find your church. And um, I think you, you may have a book or something that you want to share. At this point, let them know how to contact you and give them some last words of encouragement, please. Mm -hmm. My word of encouragement to you is that there's nothing that you can do that would stop God from loving you. Oh, God's arms is always wide open to mm -hmm. receive you. God doesn't condemn you. Mm -hmm. You understand? God is here to save you and to deliver you out of whatever. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. Thank whatever you. it is that you're in, mm -hmm. God can take you out of it. Yeah. God can take your mess and turn it into a message. Yeah. You can find an Instagram on the Love Church. Uh -huh. Instagram. And also, I have, I wrote, I wrote a book called The Struggle. This book is not me alone. There's a couple authors in here. These are single mothers who have been through hell and back. This mm -hmm. is called The Struggle is Real. You can get this book on Amazon. I have another book. It is called, Hallelujah, The Power of Prayer by Evangelist Yvonne Reed. It was my mother's prayer. It was the woman of Zion, the ladies in church that sees the purpose in you uh -huh. and praying behind your back. That's why I wrote about prayer. Because prayer mm -hmm. is what helped me and yeah, pulled me yeah. out of what I was in. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. This is by Yvonne Reed. But I'm just doing my, I just finished writing my book of my life that I've been through. Because you guys, you, you never heard anything up here. This was just snaps of what I've gone through and what mm -hmm. God has taken me out of. And so that book is coming out. It's called Gangster. And it's called, the, 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 the semi-title is the, the Parable of the Lost Sheep. He will come and get you. He yeah. left the oh, yes. he, Ma, he left 99 and he yeah. came for you. Right for That's that what matters to him. Mm -hmm. Those that God loves, he chases. Amen. 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 
Thank you well, for sharing. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much. And if you or a loved one is in need of any type of help, please mm -hmm. reach out to someone. Don't try to go through life and your difficult situations alone. Also, yeah. we want you to know that Burning Love Outreach and Dr. Sylvia Shipman, we are here for you as well. Yeah. And Dr. Shipman, will you please let our listeners know how they can contact you? Yeah, for all your, your recovery support, uh, life support, uh, whatever you may need in, in your walk of life. Uh, as Pastor Sarita said, we're here to uh, assist you in any manner. You can uh, visit uh, our website uh, at drsylviashipman.com. Uh, you also can, uh, my website, the website is uh, uh, Dr. Uh, S. Shipman uh, uh, at jubilee.org. Or, uh, or you also can call us at 877-360-1177. Again, the website is drsylviashipman.com. And uh, you can also like me at uh, Dr. Sylvia Shipman, Instagram, Facebook, um, subscribe at LinkedIn, um, and also connect with us on, on um, Clubhouse. Also, if you are feeling generous in your heart, uh, you also can give a donation to help us uh, to end the addiction crisis by changing one life at a, at a time, the quality care and commitment that we render to uh, those participants. Please go to our website at uh, com and select Donate Now. And Thank for you. speaking engagements where I share how I have overcome years of addiction to crack cocaine, having many warrants issued for my arrest, please visit my website at burningloveoutreach.org. You can comment on the page. You can submit a prayer request. You can give a testimony, a praise report. All of that is there for you. And with your help, we can continue to reach those who are suffering from drug addiction and abuse. And you are personally invited to come along and partner with us. We go out on the streets once a month here in Toronto, on the streets of Toronto in the marginalized area to help those who are suffering with drug abuse and addiction. And we would love for you to partner with us by giving a one-time donation, or you can become one of our monthly donors. Now, you can like Burning Love Outreach on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube and LinkedIn. We want to thank everyone today. Again, Pastor Yvonne, we thank you yes. for sharing your story with the Burning Love moment. And thank everyone, you. we want you to remember, don't give in, don't give out. And don't give up. You wake up in the morning, you're not feeling right. Your will is gone, can't put up a fight. Take a moment. You're suffering from addiction and pain. Don't know if you'll feel joy again. Take a The world on fire for Jesus